0: Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Lord, we pray that you will open the ears of our heart, that we won't just hear with our physical ears, but we will hear our hearts will receive what you are saying. Open the eyes of our hearts to see your glory this morning. Open our hearts to receive you this morning, Lord. I silence any other voice that is not your voice. That your voice will speak louder. In Jesus' name, amen. My prayer for you this morning is that you will leave this place believing God, even in the unknown, you will still believe God. That's my prayer. By the time we finish, you will still will leave this place believing God. So I've been studying. I've been studying the some miracles of Jesus. I, I, I felt like I needed to understand why did Jesus do the things he did and say the things he said. So I started to study the the. The, the miracles in, in the New Testament. And I came across this one miracle that is everywhere in all four Gospels. The feeding of 5,000 men plus all the women and children. We may assume that it was maybe 15,000 people 20,000 people. But he fed all those people with just five loaves of bread and two fish. And I, 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 I love that story. I love that story. But at the end of that miracle, something happened. At the end of that miracle, I asked myself, why did God do miracles? How did Jesus do miracles? The first thing we can say, he was compassionate. He loved people, so he solved their problems. If you are compassionate, you see need, you respond to the need. So that is great. The second one is that he, he was proving that he was God. To prove that he was God, he did miracles. And the third thing that I learned, why Jesus did all the miracles he did, is because he wanted to teach us a lesson. In every miracle, there, is, there are lessons that he wants us to learn. Every miracle that you read in the Bible, there are lessons that you need to pay attention to. So I thought, okay, I will, I'm going to pay attention to the lessons in some of these miracles. At the end of feeding the 5,000 people, he... They collected 12 baskets of food, of leftovers. We don't know why. The Bible doesn't say why. But we know there were 12 disciples. Maybe they were hungry. And Jesus wanted to feed them. Because they were distributing the, 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 the food, so maybe. If you have any other reason, you can give it to me. But I believe, maybe. Maybe. But there, is, there may be another reason why, why Jesus did that. There were 12 disciples and 12 basket and then he sent them away maybe that was a reminder that he can do all things maybe that each each basket was a reminder to each of the disciples of what Jesus is capable of doing if you believe in him i'm not going to talk about that feeding 5,000 people today, I I will move forward. After feeding the 5,000 people, he sent his disciples away and he stayed behind. He sent them away and sent them over to another town and stayed behind. I have an advice to give to these disciples. Don't leave him behind. Take him with you. And that's the subject I want to discuss with you. Take him with you. Take him with you. Take him with you. Let's read the Bible. It's, can I have the title there, please? Take him with you. Do we have the t- Yes, thank you. Sorry. I pay attention to everything that's going on. <laughs> Take him with you. Let's read... John chapter 6, verse 16 to 21. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because of a great wind, because a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, it is I do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the end where they were, at the land where they were going. You can understand that I'm hesitating to read because I'm still learning English, so don't don't worry about that part of my message. Yeah, that's just natural. Pick, pick the supernatural. The, dis- the disciples experienced one of the greatest miracles in, in, in Jesus' ministry, which is the feeding of the 5,000 plus people. The miracle happened in their hands. It's when they were distributing that it, the multiplication was happening. And after that, Jesus told, told them, Jesus made them go. That's what the Bible says. He made them go. He made them leave him behind. It was his idea to leave him behind. Mark chapter 6, 45 says, Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd. Jesus sent them. There is a reason why I'm insisting on this. Jesus made them leave him. The reason I insist to that is because the first lesson I want us to learn to extract from this text is trust his command. Trust his command. Going to the boat was Jesus' will. They were in the will of God. Going to, to the boat was Jesus' plan. Jesus, Jesus planned it. Go. It was his idea, but they still confronted opposition. Despite the fact that it was Jesus' idea, they still confronted the winds and waves. Hmm. Following the will of God does not take away winds and waves in our lives. Becoming a Christian and being at the center of the will of God does not take away life challenges. It doesn't. If someone told you that, they deceived you. Following Jesus does not take away opposition in our life. The disciples trusted Jesus' command, but they were still confronted with the wave. They got stuck and frustrated by the lack of progress still in the will of God. They got frustrated. It was dark and there was a storm. They were there for a long time. Trusting Jesus led them into trouble. Trusting Jesus. Jesus said, go. Or if it was me, I would say, Jesus said it. If Jesus said, everything will go smoothly. It was not the case. Jesus sent them away and they found themselves winds and waves. Would you still trust his command despite the waves and the wind? Would you still trust God regardless of the winds the winds around you? Can you trust the Bible? The Bible is the word of God. The Bible is inspired by God. It is his word. It contains the word of God, his command. Sometimes following the Bible means making your friends uncomfortable. Sometimes following the Bible means standing against your own desires and aspirations. Following the Bible, following the truth, will put you in trouble sometimes. You will get fired, sorry, if nobody has told you this. You will get fired for following the Bible. Would you still follow? Standing for the truth. Sometimes following the Bible causes trouble. The call of God doesn't guarantee smooth flight, it's unsure, it ensures a safe landing. When God calls you, when God asks you to do something, it doesn't, he, he doesn't guarantee you that your flight will just go. <laughs> No, it guarantees that you will land. You will land. Don't worry. You will still land well. But in that flight, you will face... <sighs> Do you get me? The call of God does not guarantee a smooth flight. I know a story of a man, and please, even, if, even though it sounds like me, it's not me. <laughs> a man on vacation with his family... Maybe it's your husband. Women will agree with me. And this man was driving his family in the car. And they got to this place where or, or, he, 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 they were on holiday. Got to this place. He's used to that place. He's used, he, he knows his ways around the bush. And he, he knows his ways around. And he came to this place. And he, there was this big sign saying, roads closed. Do not enter. Roads closed, do not enter. So that road was closed that day, and he needed to take a longer road to get to the destination. And the man said, oh, I know my ways around you. He entered. You know, men, you know, men don't read signs. Despite the fact that the, the wife tried to, to advise him not to do so, and eh, the, the wife was submissive enough and understanding enough to let him do he, what he wanted to do. He kept going and st- he started to brag about his discernment and how he knows he's, you know, sometimes people want just to scare people, you know, that is nothing. And he kept going. And he went for a few kilometers, very successful, with his trip and and bragging about how he knows his things. And then they came across this bridge that was broken. And with shame, everybody was silent in the car. Nobody said anything. He stopped the car, turned around, started to go back to the to the road and when he got to the sign it was written behind that sign welcome back stupid. (laughs) The children said nothing. That's not dad. Welcome back, stupid. Sometimes we can have complete confidence in ourselves to figure out issues or fix problems in our lives. But we let ourselves down. Why? Confidence is only as good as the object it's placed in. When going through life, wise people trust the unchanging, all-powerful God. The word of God can lead you to a longer road. A rough path or a challenging process, but it will get you to the destination. Your plans may look like a shortcut, a wider road, and feels comfortable for a short time, but it won't lead you to the destination. The word of God may lead you to trouble, but it will get you to the destination. While your plans may lead you to a a, a quick, a quick road, but the bridge is broken. You won't get to the destination. Would you trust the word of God? We can trust his command even if it leads us into frustration. His command leads us into his care. His command leads us into his will. His command leads us into his purpose. The story continues in in, in verse 19. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, it is I do not be afraid. That leads us to the second point. Trust his superiority. The first one, you trust his command. They trusted Jesus said go. But the second one is trust his superiority. Am I saying it right? Superiority. I believe in you. If you tick my accent, then I'm good. My pronunciation. Good English. Pronunciation. The plan was that the disciples would go by boat and Jesus would join them. John doesn't tell us that he said, I will join you to the boat, in the boat, or on the boat, at the boat. Oh, one of those. Jesus did not say, John does not tell us if he will join them to Capernaum or in the boat. We don't know that. He just said, go, I will join you. They didn't know what will happen. And it was dark. And Jesus said, Jesus promised to come to them. It was dark in the night. And then Jesus went to pray. The Bible says that if you read, uh, if you read uh, Mark, you, you'll understand that Jesus sent them away. Then he went to, to pray. That means Jesus was comfortable. He was relaxed. And it was dark. So before it was dark, scholars believe that they spent maybe nine hours struggling. It was before dark. That means maybe 6 p.m., They left at 6 p.m. And Jesus found them there between 3 and and, and 6. That that means they stayed there at least for 9 hours. Struggling. And Jesus is relaxed. Praying. How unfair that may sound. But. Here is the point of the story. Jesus started to walk on the water toward them. The Bible does not say they were afraid of the wind or the waves because some of them were professional fishermen. So they were used to waves and winds. They only got scared when they saw Jesus. I want you to pay attention to this. We are not afraid of the common. We are not afraid of the regular. We are not afraid of the natural. We are fearful of the unfamiliar, the supernatural, and the uncommon. Those are the things we are afraid of, the things we don't understand, the things we don't control. Those are the things that... Keeps us awake in the night. The things you don't know. How will will I get out of this? You don't have any way out. Those are the things that scare you. The unknown, the supernatural, the unfamiliar. We are afraid of the unknown. Why? Because most people struggle to trust God because... Faith trusts the unfamiliar. It believes in the supernatural and follows the unseen. That is faith. If you're not capable to follow the unseen, you can't trust God. If you're not capable to trust the the unfamiliar, you're not used to it, then you cannot follow God. Faith believes in the supernatural. If you don't believe in the supernatural, if all you believe is what you see, you can't believe God. They were afraid because they've dealt with everything else except seeing someone walking on water. That was strange. They've seen Jesus multiplying the bread. They've seen Jesus healing people. They've seen Jesus resurrecting people. The only thing they haven't seen yet is him walking on water. And it's happening in their eyes. And they said, no, this must be a ghost. What if is a ghost? So they may, maybe it is, I know some of them could have seen Jesus hair, Jesus' hair and think, that hair looks like the master. That robe looks like the master. But what if it's a ghost? Our biggest problem is what if in life. We always fill that sentence with something scary. What if dot, dot, dot. I know what you are thinking now. What if you fill it with something scary? That's our biggest problem of faith. We don't just believe God, we believe what we believe, but what if? What if with my health? What if with my finances? What if with my with my family? What if? What if? And we lose our faith. Because of what if? The Bible recommends that we fill that sentence with a promise from God. The circumstances may not change, but just fill it. What if, and then fill it with God's promise. Even though God will still show up. And they were scared, thinking that it was a ghost. The disciples got confused. Just like we do. Just like we do. You know, when we pray, when we pray, we want God to answer our prayers in the way we understand. The way we control. We want, and if he brings the answer in a different way, we don't accept it. Because it did not come in the way we wanted it. So when we are in trouble, we often ask God to come to our rescue in a way we understand. We pray for answers in a way we control. But often God answers prayers in his own ways. Not our way. Not our way. And then Jesus is walking on water. I I have a good news for you. I have a good news for you. Whatever scares you, Jesus is walking on it. Whatever you are afraid of, the storms and the wind, Jesus was walking on it. Your ceiling is Jesus' platform. When you feel like you've reached a ceiling, Jesus is walking on it. So, what issue in your life that you feel like it's beyond your power, trust his ability. He's working on it. He's working on it. Colossians chapter 1 15 to 17. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And by him all things hold together. That is Jesus. He's walking on your sickness. He's walking on your your finances. He's walking on your fears. He's walking on it. Do you feel lonely? Jesus is walking on it. Do you feel rejected? Jesus is walking on it. Would you trust his superiority? The reason why Jesus walked on water is to prove to them that he's above the element he created them. He created fire. He created, he created earth. He created the waters. He created everything. He wanted to prove to them that even, even water is under my control. Jesus, can you trust his superiority? Can you trust his superiority in your life? Can you trust him? That he's got this. What is the thing you are scared of? What is the thing that you are most afraid of? He's got it. Under control. He's got it under control. And things will not always look the way we want them to look. But he's got it. He's got it. He said... Do not be afraid. It is I. Jesus is saying to you, do not be afraid. It is him, the the, the creator of the visible and the invisible. Do not be afraid. When you face opposition, do not be afraid. When you are lost and confused, do not be afraid. Know that God is fighting for you. Do not be afraid. When you agree or disagree with the political system around you, do not be afraid. He's got it. He's got it. He's in control. I love this song. This song that was written many, many, many years ago. That speaks to this. Because he lives. I can face tomorrow. Because he lives. All fear is gone. Because I know the future and life is worth living just because he lives would you trust God because he lives because Jesus lives you can face tomorrow life is worth living because Jesus lives not because we've got it under control not because we understand but because he lives I don't understand most of the things that happen around me. I don't understand my wife. (laughs) Now she does understand me. But I don't understand her. But because Jesus lives, I trust Jesus with my marriage. I trust Jesus with my children. I trust Jesus with my future. Would you trust Jesus? Because he lives, you can face tomorrow. And the last point, when they realized that it was Jesus, look at what they did. That will lead us to the last point. Take him in your boat. I told them, take him in your boat. Now they are listening to me. Verse 21, then they willingly received him into the boat and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going willingly, that's what John says. John says it better. They willingly took him in the boat. That means there was a choice. That means there was a choice between taking him on the boat or letting him just walk while they are trying to fight the wind and the waves. But they willingly took him on the boat. Praise God, they chose to take him on the boat immediately, what does it mean? Immediately, that means there was a teleportation. I believe there was a miracle there. I don't know what you believe. I don't know what version of the Bible you are reading. For me, I believe that immediately they found themselves where they were going. Immediately. There was another miracle. Taking Jesus on your boat will take you to the destination in his time. Immediately, they found themselves to the destination just by taking Jesus in their boat. Hallelujah. Would you take Jesus into your boat? Look at what happened. There was another miracle there. Don't fight your your battles on your own. Don't try to fight life on your own. Take Jesus with you. Don't leave him behind. Maybe you are trying to labor. You are laboring so much hard on your own. 27, 24, 7. You are laboring. You are trying hard to make things happen. Relax. Take him with you. You will get there in his time, not your time. Don't be like the guy who tried to get there quicker and found the the, the bridge was broken. Take Jesus with you. Take the longer path. You will still get there in his time. The time is always the best. Would you invite Jesus in your struggles, in your pain, in your confusion? Would you invite Jesus there? Would you invite Jesus in your trouble? Take him With you. These are questions that I, I ask myself. I ask myself these questions. To take Jesus with me, is he where Jesus wants me to be? Or is this what Jesus wants me to do? Sometimes the answer is clear, sometimes the answer is just no. No, the Bible contradicts what I'm trying to do, so I can't do it. And sometimes it's just no, uh, I, I I don't yeah I can't be, I can't do this. It's it's against the Bible. I can't be here. But sometimes it's unclear what Jesus wants me to do, so I, I, I don't know. So I I move to the to the third question. Why am I doing this? Why am I here? And this is what I found. If the reason for doing it is for me to benefit, I may be in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing. If the reason for me to be there is for God so that people can benefit, I know I'm in the right place. If it's for other people to benefit for the glory of God, I know I'm in the right place. So I will ask you a question. Why, I, the thing you are worried about, is it for you, or is it for God and other people to benefit? If it's for you, then, it's just a selfish worry. Assign a mission to your passion. The things that you do, give it a mission your work, whatever you do, even if it's secular work, as we call it secular, give it a mission. Why are you there? Assign a mission to it. I'm here for God and, and the people he loves. I will end with this story. There was a guy who was learning to fly a plane and he, he got his license and the first day for him to, to fly, the, the, the private jet he was flying, he started to panic and he didn't know how to land it. He No, not he didn't know, but he panicked because he got the license. That means he tried many times and he found himself he couldn't even control the the, the machine anymore because he was so uncomfortable and worried about crashing the land the, the, the plane and the instructors or the people in the control tower or room called him and say just obey instructions we will take care of the obstructions Jesus is telling you today just obey instructions I will take care of obstructions we worry too much about obstructions the thing that stand between us and that thing that, the thing that affects our lives Jesus is telling you today How about you just follow me? You just listen to my word and I will take care of the rest. Just obey instructions. He will take care of obstructions. So we want to pray. We want to pray for you. For the things that are obstructing your life for the things that you you are afraid of that God will give you the grace to trust him today is it your health is it your finances your relationship God wants you to trust him with everything let's bow our head and pray I will invite my wife to join me. And we are going to pray for your what if. We're going to pray for your what if. By that I mean, what is the thing that you are most afraid of? What is your what if today? What is that thing that you are scared of? You you feel that what if this happens? What if this happens what if this happens and it keeps coming to your mind in the night in the day you keep thinking what if Jesus wants to replace you what if by his promises you can trust his command you can trust his superiority you can trust that he is the God over your situation he can do all things he can do all things